Hebrews chapter 11, we'll start at verse 8 and read verse through verse 19 this evening. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out to a place where he should have to receive for an inheritance, he obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, is in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who'd promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky and multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, in heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Our theme this year is, Lord, increase our faith. I don't just want my faith personally increased. I want the faith of my children increased, faith of my wife increased. The faith of this church increased. And if we're going to grow on a spiritual level, if our faith promise is going to grow, if our soul winning is going to continue to grow, if each aspect of this ministry is going to grow, it must first start with the growth of our faith. In order for that to happen, we have to immediately eliminate some of the misconceptions, and there are many when it comes to faith, you have to be careful because we know Satan will attack our faith. We know our human logic, our human reasoning will undermine our faith. And we know family and friends sometimes will participate and often criticize. Sometimes it's not just the unsaved, but the saved as well. And we have to make a lifetime determination. I am going to operate by faith. Now, regrettably... There are a lot of Christians that try to live the Christian life without faith, and it's not a pleasant thing to attempt to live the Christian life unless you do it by faith. And here's what I want you to see, a few basic truths uh, this evening. And I want to title this, The Determination of Faith, because I think one of the misconceptions is we don't understand faith is not a human effort, but the decision to live by faith is a determination. And if you don't make that decision, I will live my life by faith, this world will trap you into a daily walk that's by sight. And when that happens, your emotions will be on a roller coaster. Because whatever you see will influence what you think, and what you think will influence how you feel. 
And according to the circumstances, whether that be the financial circumstances, the political circumstances, something as simple as the weather, all those things will affect you because your faith uh, is not based on the Word of God, which is a stable foundation. So I want you to see, when we think about these men that are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, we see their flaws. We know their faults. We read in the Old Testament about their defects. They were not super spiritual or superior, but they were men that made a simple determination, we will live by faith. I want you to think about Abraham for just a few minutes this evening. Abraham, a man that lived in Ur, called out by God in verse 8, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance. Look at the next word. What does it say? He... Obeyed. Now, this is the determination of faith. How many want your faith to grow? How many like to truly be able to say, I live consistently every day of my life by faith? Well, here's how that happens, and here's how your faith will begin to grow. When you say, okay, it's not that I have super faith. It's not that I understand everything about the Bible. It's not that I even understand God or His ways. I don't understand that he's doing what he's doing. How many of you can sit down and explain to me the sovereignty of God? You simply have to say, although I cannot comprehend it, I'm living it, I'll accept it, and I know that God has a bigger plan, something bigger than I can understand or comprehend, and I'll simply obey. And God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, listen, he didn't have a Bible, so he, he didn't have the same foundation that we do. He didn't have the written word of God. He has an open revelation. And God appears unto him and says, Abraham, I want you to leave Ur. I want you to go out. Uh, where am I going? To land? That you, forget it, Abraham. I'm not going to explain this. Just go. Yes, sir. And he did just that. That's faith. Now, as much as we want to complicate it, as much as we want to understand it, as much as we want it simplified, well, preacher, put it on, on my terms, put it in terminology that I can understand. Uh, let's look in the dictionary. What's the definition? Help me out here. Let me help you out. Here's how you've grown faith. You simply obey what you know to do is right. That's it. We're like little kids. That, that sit around and ask why and what and where and when and how. And once I understand and, and, and once you've told me, you know there are a lot of things you try to explain to your kids. And listen, parents, you ought to explain as much as possible to your children. But there are some things you can't explain. It would do them more harm than good. And there are some things in life that are inexplicable. Do you think Brother Anthony should take Jaden at age five? And explain to him everything in life and why and what and where and when and how. That's too much information. It would be overwhelming. His little brain could not handle that. It would be a brain overload, an emotional overload. So there are times he gives a simple explanation based on his knowledge and his understanding. But at some point he says, son, you just have to trust me. You just do this. Why? Because I am your daddy and I'm smarter than you, so just obey. How many times do you think God wants to look at us and just say, listen, this would be an emotional overload. You cannot understand this. You're just going to have to trust me and obey. Why? 
because I am your daddy and I know what's best for you, so just trust and obey. Isn't it easier to sing that than actually live that? Boy, we love the songs and we can put on a smile and carry a tune. But as soon as we walk out the doors and have to live that Monday through Saturday, that's a different story. He simply obeyed when called out. That's the determination of faith. You know how few Christians have actually reached that level? Just simple obedience. Most Christians spend their entire Christian life arguing about everything. As is Plain and as simple as it is written in the Word of God, I mean, it's black and white. It'll poke you right in the nose. And what doesn't poke you in the nose, the Holy Spirit will, will hit you upside the head with. But despite that, man still wants to argue with the Word of God. Man still wants more of an explanation. Sixty-six books. Man hasn't even read it all, but he wants the explanation. You just obey Did you know when he obeyed, he went out, look what it says, not knowing. What's the first phrase? When he went, he went out not knowing. That's the part we don't like. I'll obey, but I want to know. I'll obey, but I want to understand. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country. He was traveling as a pilgrim and as a stranger. That is very uncomfortable. Did you know, Brother Matt, Brother Keith, and these men that go on deputation or on furlough, they're out for six months or eight months, and they're in a new bed each night in a different hotel room, in someone else's house, eating at someone else's table, in someone else's kitchen, visiting a different church every weekend. You know, at some point you get tired of that. You want a place that you can just call home. You want a little bit of routine. It just adds a little bit of sanity. You want to know, this is my house. I don't care how simple it is, how basic or how plain. You want something that you can call your own. It's not fun to live as a pilgrim or as a stranger. Everywhere you go, you feel uncomfortable. You're out of place. You're in someone else's territory, not your own. You've been there. Oh, vacation is fine. But how many of you have ever tired of a vacation? I just want my own bed. I want familiar circumstances. I want a familiar environment to function in. Can you imagine Abram, year after year, decade after decade, the rest of his life, he looks at Sarah and says, Sarah, I just want you to know, we are going to die as pilgrims and strangers looking for a country, a city whose builder and maker is God. That means it's not an earthly city. Women, you don't want to go camping for three days. She made camping a lifestyle. Now, here's my point tonight. Here's faith. God, I just want to obey you. I don't have to understand. It may mean living as a pilgrim. Listen, you know what the Christian life is? It's a pilgrimage. Christians get tired of the Christian life. Because people look at you as strangers. You go to the mall, and they look at you as strange. You go to the grocery store, and they look at you as strange. You go to pay for your insurance. Your neighbors think you're strange. And you are. You dress strange. Your family acts strange. They walk strange. They talk strange. They do strange things. Sunday morning, the car leaves. Comes back at the same time. 
People are dressed in suits. The girls come out in dresses. The boys are carrying Bibles. And then again in the evening, how strange is that? I mean, as a Catholic, you go once a year, and this strange neighbor goes twice on a Sunday, sometimes on a Tuesday, and most likely on a Wednesday, and occasionally they'll go a whole week. How strange is that? They don't get drunk. They don't invite us over for parties. Their house never shakes because of the music that's being played. There's no earrings in their ears. No additional colors in their hair. Besides gray. That's strange. You know what his obedience did? His obedience said there are things I am willing to leave behind. Listen, aren't you glad that when you got saved, you didn't understand all the Bible at one time? Aren't you glad you just understood it is by grace through faith and Jesus Christ wanted to save you and wash you and cleanse you of your sin and you got in and, and then you realize, okay, you know what Christianity is about leaving some things behind. And you have to do that by faith. And this is, this is a generation of Christians that thinks that Christianity, the following Christ, shouldn't cost them anything. Well, hold on for a second. Christ, from the, the very first step, the very first moment that he took those disciples and started his church, he immediately told them, he informed them about the cost. He told them, you're going to have to leave father and mother. I mean, there in Luke 5, when he called Peter... Peter had to leave the nets, the fish, boats, family, house. He left that all behind. That's faith. Now, if we're going to increase our faith, here's where it starts. Simple obedience. What we say, God, I just want to know your will. I just want to know what's right. What does your word say? What am I supposed to do? Let's do it. And you know what? Every once in a while, you ought to check where you're at. It's really easy. It's not that complicated. You just take a look and say, okay, am I obeying the most basic things? Am I reading my Bible? Am I obedient in my Bible reading? Did you know you cannot be okay spiritually and not be in that book? Folks, you cannot... You cannot be doing okay spiritually if you're not daily in that book. And you check your prayer life. How's my prayer life? Am I tithing? You cannot be doing okay spiritually if you're not tithing. You cannot be doing okay spiritually if you're not praying. You cannot be doing okay spiritually. I'm not talking about church attendance, but I mean when you walk in, you are plugged in. We come to church and we're not even plugged in. We come to church and the Holy Spirit actually has our attention for about 15 minutes. Folks, check your spiritual temperature. You say, am I actually obeying? Because if you're not obedient, your faith cannot be growing. Your faith cannot increase until you say, I'm just going to simply obey. Trust and obey. Trust the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. Okay, I know that. So what do I do? Whatever he said is obey. And as a natural result, your faith will go and grow. Your faith will increase. But as soon as you stop, as soon as you begin to question, as soon as you hesitate, as soon as you pause, you have stopped your faith from increasing. Number two. Go with me back to Genesis chapter 12. You can keep a finger here in Hebrews 11. There was determination to overcome the obstacles. 
Now, folks, we're trying to be as basic as possible tonight in the study of faith because I really think we've missed it on the basics. This determination to live by faith means I am determined to obey God and obey His Word. I am determined to overcome obstacles. We live in a day and age of quitters. People start and quit everything. They start making payments on something and quit. I think we'd be embarrassed how many tonight started to learn to play a musical instrument and you quit. You started. How many things have we started and just quit because there was an obstacle that was harder than we thought, more difficult than we imagined? My girls, and when they started playing the piano years ago, my girls are not talented in that area. And they're not determined in that area. So when they, played the, they started playing the piano, every two or three months they'd ask me, so, Dad, when I turn 12, do I get to stop playing the piano? Dad, if I reach level three, do I get to stop playing the piano? You'll never reach that level, so don't worry about it. Dad, and they always were coming up with some excuse or some reason why they ought to be able to quit playing the piano. Here's what I told them. The day you move out of my house, that's your last piano lesson. So if you want to move out at 14, you get to quit soon. If you don't want to move out, and guess what? That means if you stick around until you're 20 or 21, you're going to be playing the piano until you're 20 or 21. Because I'm not raising a quitter. Well, Dad, we're not telling it. Dad is not natural. Dad, we don't like it. We'll overcome the obstacle. And here's what we do in our faith. We hit a wall. We hit an obstacle. Look what happened in Abraham's journey of faith. Genesis chapter 12. As soon as he departed, verse 4, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. He obeyed, but he's about ready to hit some obstacles. Verse 6, Abram passed through the land into the place of Sikkim, under the plain of Morah, and what's it say? The Canaanite was then in the land. He had no sooner left than he encountered the enemy. Lord, I thought if this was your will, it would be easy. No. The Christian life, the life of faith, is not easy. But wait. He gets past that first obstacle. He makes it past the Canaanite. Then look what it says in verse 10. And there was a famine in the land. Next obstacle. Financial distress. You know how many people, this totally messes up their faith. Because, okay, I'm going to tithe, Lord, and that means I ought to get a raise. I'm going to make a faith promise, but, Lord, that means I need my boss to show up in the next three weeks at that. Did you know it may, you may make a faith promise that actually may cost you something? You may have to lower your standard of living. You better be careful because your faith, if it's based upon a blessing instead of a promise, if it's based upon financial success, you're going to be in trouble because the first time you make a faith promise and crash your car and the insurance says, we'll take care of it, but you have a $500 deductible. And you say, well, I guess that's this month's faith promise. Well, every month, Satan will give you a reason to miss your faith promise. You're going to have to say, 
My faith, if it's going to grow, it's going to have to overcome obstacles. And Abram's faith was young and tender and not developed. So as soon as he has a financial problem, he deviates and goes down to Egypt to solve the problem himself. Christians, your faith cannot grow in Egypt. And if your faith is going to grow, you're going to have to make a determination. I'm going to obey God, and when I have obstacles, listen, folks, from the moment we started giving to mission, I'm thankful way back at the beginning of the ministry, I'd already made a determination. It doesn't matter what obstacle comes in my way. Here's why people go to the mission field, and they quit, and they come home. They think that faith shouldn't encounter any obstacle. How many times, man, how many times, Keith, how many times these missionaries gone and there was a visa problem and the land fell through and there was a problem with the government and they didn't get the visa extension. And you, you cannot base your faith on an open door. There are obstacles and Satan will make sure to put enough obstacles in your path that sooner or later you're going to get discouraged. Christian life, how many, how many times have we seen people quit? I'm going to go soul winning. And as soon as they hit an obstacle, they stop soul winning. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to make a faith promise pledge. I'm going to do this. I'm going to help people. I'm going to get in the ministry. I'm going to serve in the Sunday school. I want to be a teacher. But the first obstacle, let me just tell you, quit now. Because the obstacles will come on a regular basis. Your faith had better learn to jump past those obstacles. Some people can't even overcome obstacles to be faithful in church. You know, I, I plan on going to church and I had a flat tire. And that's a, a sign from God. That's a sign for you not to run over nails. That's a sign for you not to try to put 80,000 miles on a 60,000 mile tire. There are signs, but that's not a sign from God. You better learn to overcome the obstacles. Look what it says in Genesis chapter 16. There's an obstacle, a continual obstacle called doubt. And Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. Do you remember the initial promise in Genesis 12? Abram, I want you to go, and I'm going to make of you a great nation. So, what did Abram think? We're going to have some kids. We, we are going to have many, many kids. Nothing happened. Years pass, decades pass, and Sarai gives up. And she looks at Abram, and she bore him no children. Verse 1, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian. You know what they had done back in that financial stress? They had gone through Egypt and picked up this girl. They should have never picked her up in the first place. They should have never been in Egypt in the first place. They took a little detour ended up with a handmaid whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto thy maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. That was not God's plan. That was not God's doing. That was not God's will. But her faith hit an obstacle. You know how many Christians start scheming and want to call it faith? Preacher, i got a plan. God's going to... No, no. You're scheming. That's not going to turn out well. There's a big difference between faith and scheming. And here we see. And you know what happened. In the end, boy, did they ever pay for that? We're still paying for that. Right now, you're watching the Middle East is on the edge of war. And it traces all the way back to this moment in this tent when this woman, in a moment of doubt, convinced her husband to sleep with her handmaid 
And as a result, Mr. Ishmael, the father of the Arabs, look what it says in Genesis chapter 18. There's another obstacle you're going to have to deal with called the impossible. Have you ever had a situation and you said, this is impossible? Pastor, I don't know what you're positive about because this is impossible. Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about. Why do you keep using the word solution? There is no solution. Don't you understand? Have you lost your mind? This is impossible. Well, good. That means you can get God involved because God is the God of the impossible. God is the God that specializes in the impossible. Now, we're dealing with an, a woman that is in her late 80s. And it, the angel of the Lord comes. Verse Nine, and they said to him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold the tent. He said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abram and Sarah were old. They were old, well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women now. She's been barren for decades. Now she's in her late 80s, and suddenly this man is standing in the tent door saying, your wife is going to have a baby. And Sarah did what all of us would do. Verse 12, Sarah laughed. Better be careful laughing within yourself, because God can even hear that. She didn't hee-haw. But I, could, I like to imagine Scripture when I read it. I like to see Sarah standing behind the door. She's like, that knee slap hurt. You don't want to slap your knee when you're 89. Not a good idea. But she laughed. And look what happens. The Lord said to Abraham, wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I have surety, bear it, child? which am old, is anything too hard for the Lord at the time appointed. That wasn't just the obstacle of dealing with the impossible. And how many times in our life, honestly, we, we get to the point where we say, okay, I'm growing in the faith. I, I have faith. I believe God. And then suddenly you're dealing with the situation that's humanly impossible. And then... All these years you've talked about a great mighty God, a God that specializes in the impossible. But when it's your turn to deal with the impossible, I don't think he can handle this one. You had better get determined now. If you're going to increase your faith, I am going to obey and I am going to overcome these obstacles. And I do it just by trusting God. I can't understand. I can't reason it. I don't need an explanation. I can't fathom how. But I do know I have a God in heaven. I can't imagine this world living without a God that specializes in doing the impossible. When you see him do the impossible long enough at some point, you stop sweating it. And you just say he knows exactly what he's doing. He has it under control. He can make it happen. And he'll do it again at the right time. They'd waited a long time. But God tends to do those things. Now go back with me to Hebrews chapter 11 for just a minute. You say, well, how do you know that Sarah overcame the obstacles if she was laughing? Well, verse 11 says, through faith also Sarah herself 
received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. And I love this next verse, 12. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead. You don't see many 99-year-olds in the maternity war. Can you imagine going over to the hospital and here's a 90-year-old woman? Now, we know biblically she didn't look like she was 90 because God supernaturally restored her health. Can you imagine what Sarah looked like in 90? I mean, if you have a king saying, wow. Now, you've got to understand he was an unsaved king. Who is that? Hot chick. He was an unsaved king. And you do remember that kings had good taste, and kings always picked the finest women in the land. So, at 90, there was something supernatural that took place here, and God restored her to health to such a degree that an unsaved king chose as a concubine to be a 90-year-old woman. God specializes in the impossible. Can you imagine, Abram? He was pretty excited about that. <laughs> like, wow, Sarah. I don't know what you're doing, but it sure is working. I don't need an explanation. I just need some faithfulness. To whatever you're eating, whatever you're drinking, whatever you are juicing, babe, you keep it up. I will finance that project. Something supernatural took place, but it only took place because they had grown into the habit of simply overcoming obstacle after obstacle and saying, not, listen, we see their failures, we see their defects, we see they did not have a perfect faith. God doesn't need perfect faith. He needs you to simply say, even when I'm doubting, I can still obey. Even when I'm doubting, I can still overcome these obstacles. How many of you have done that? How many of you have come to church although you were doubting God? Anybody here ever done that? How many of you ever come to church when you're confused? How many read your Bible when you were down in the dumps and depressed and frustrated? Anybody, don't raise your hand at this moment. Have you ever doubted that God cared? But you still went to church. You still read your Bible. You still prayed. You still said, even in those lowest moments, I can still do what I know is right to do. God can be pleased in that. Did you know that's great faith? Some reason we have it in our head that great faith is perfect faith. That's not the case at all. Here's Sarah laughing And suddenly, she's losing her wrinkles. Sarah, have you been jogging? Sarah, you are eating more than you have eaten in years. But keep it up. That's God doing the supernatural. Let's look at one more thing. We'll be done here. Verse 17. It's a determination not just to obey. It's a determination not just to overcome the obstacles. But it's a determination to offer an acceptable sacrifice To God, verse 17, by faith, Abram, when he was tried, he offered up Isaac. And he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. This is faith. 
You know what we don't like to do? And here's where God tests us. All of us have untouchables in our life. Did you know you give, but you have a percentage of your income that's untouchable? You know there are parents, good, godly parents, that you're sold out, you're involved in church, and you go sowing in, and you support the work, and you've never given your pastor a minute's problem. But if God were to call your child to the mission field, you literally, you would have a heart attack. Your heart would stop beating. Could not handle it. You ask, here's faith. God, I want you to know there's no untouchables in my life. We go to missions conference, there's no untouchables. When it comes to the building, there's no untouchables. When it comes to your will, there are no untouchables. God, if you want my car, church. If you want my house, church. If you want my children, church. I don't I do not have anything in my life that's an untouchable. Now let me ask you this. What could we observe in the life of Abraham that was more of an untouchable than his promised seed? He had waited until he turned one hundred. That's a long wait. So you wait to your 100. He probably waited for 60 to 70 years for God to fulfill his promise. And now that God had fulfilled his promise, and now that he had his son, and now that he was enjoying his son, 16, 18, 20 years old, he's growing up. He's an obedient son. He's a respectful son. He's an honest son. He's a transparent son. He's a holy son. And, and Abraham knows this is the chosen one. And God says... That's when you've got to sacrifice. You know what faith does? Faith offers up an acceptable sacrifice. And lack of faith offers up an unacceptable sacrifice. Now, hold on for a second. I need you to understand this before we finish. You know, a few Christians live by faith, and most of their sacrifice isn't even acceptable to God. I mean, they're Christians, don't even have enough faith to tithe. So they tithe every other paycheck and call it tithe. It's called death, not tithing. There are people that make a faith promise not following the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, but having calculated, sat down, coldly calculated. What can I do that doesn't affect me in any way? You know, I give $187 a month. And that doesn't even affect my lifestyle. We won't even notice that's gone. I still have my retirement, still have my benefits, still have my car, my house, and everything's taken care of. That won't even affect us. The Holy Spirit sat down beside you and mentioned one of your untouchables. Ha, ha. Hey, that's why you get nervous at missions conference. You're fearful that God will touch one of your untouchables. God, you can have my money, but don't call my daughter or son to India. You can have my house. I'll teach at the school. I'll work in the ministry. Just don't send one of my kids overseas. You know what faith does? Faith offers an acceptable sacrifice. Now, Christian... If you give me two more minutes for your attention, we'll be done tonight. Here's today's Christianity. That which I really don't care about, I'm going to give it to God. I got a little bit of free time in my week. You know, there's something in the ministry that I'm interested in. But sacrificing time that I would really consider sacrifice. 
participating in a ministry that for me would actually be a sacrifice. Making a faith promise that would actually include sacrifice. <laughs> I'm not going to live by faith like that. You know what the average Christian does in this day and age? Christianity is good as long as it's a continual benefit for me. It must benefit me on a social level, a financial level, an emotional level, a friendship level. There must be many benefits. But if I go to church and it actually costs me, my ministry costs me, my faithfulness costs me, my... You know what? Now you actually are operating by faith. Pastor, I don't go sowing because I don't see the benefit. You might actually have to sow in by faith. I'm reading my Bible and I'm not getting anything out of it. You may actually have to read by faith. Why well, I'm praying and I'm not seeing the windows of heaven open. You may actually have to pray by faith. When we went to Argentina... God bless us. God's been so kind to us over the years. I, I cannot believe the graciousness and kindness of our loving Savior toward these two servants. It's overwhelming. But God somehow hooked us up with the right people in Argentina. When we sat down with Brother Ray, God called him to the mission field when he was 35. When he was 37, he got his family together. They climbed on a boat and traveled for 30 days by boat down to the coast of Argentina. 37 years old. Sold his house. Gave up his job. Not even knowing if he'd ever come back. And the dollar was devalued. And they were experiencing hyperinflation. Couldn't put food on his table. Started having health problems. Virginia, we're going to do this by faith. Back then, you just didn't have any communication with your family. When you said goodbye and you climbed on that ship... You didn't know if you'd ever see or hear from them again. And that's why last year, Brother Ray Masters, at 75, 76 years old, me, might have been as old as 78, had his third or fourth open heart surgery. The mission board said, Ray, come home. Ray, come retire. And he said, you cannot force me to leave. I'm going to die here, and they're going to bury me here, and you guys are going to leave me alone. Ray, do you know what this is going to cost you? Yeah, but you don't know how much I've benefited from just living a life. You're, you're robbing yourself of the blessing. Can you imagine the blessing Abram would have robbed himself of if he hadn't offered his son Isaac? Do you remember the story? You don't have to go back to Genesis 22. You remember the story. He goes up the mount. With his son, he puts him on the altar. God had already pre-planned everything. And according to John 8, 54 through 56, tend to make us believe that God actually opened up the windows of heaven. Because John 8, 56 says, Abraham saw my day. He rejoiced. He was glad. When he saw, you know the only person in the Old Testament that got a glimpse of Calvary and had a real idea what the Messiah, who he was and what he was going to do. Even Isaiah, who wrote Isaiah 53, did not understand. Even the disciples who walked with Jesus Christ did not understand. But Abram, 
He said, uh, yeah, I know what Jesus is going to do. I know where it's going to happen. He caught a glimpse. He saw something no one else in the Old Testament saw because he was willing to go up that mountain by faith. 